Hello, and welcome to the AK-47 podcast. My name is Kristen Godsey, and I am recording this in Wellington, which is the capital of New Zealand, where I am here this week for the New Zealand Festival of the Arts. I'm really excited to be here. I've got two events lined up this week, but I wanted to just do a quick bonus episode to let you know about a couple of things that happened that I wrote for International Women's Day. One, I think really importantly, an article about Alexandra Kollontai, which appeared of all in of all places on the website NBC Think. So this is a, a website run by NBC, the major media network in the United States that decided to run for International Women's Day or write in advance of International Women's Day for Women's History Month, a column about Alexandra Kollontai, which I wrote. Partially, I'm very grateful here to the efforts of my publicist at Hachette, who pitched it to them in the first place, because I never would have thought to send it there. But also, I think that, you know, socialism and socialist ideas right now are gaining a lot of interest in the United States and around the world. But uh, so that a mainstream kind of media place like NBC.com would take a column, you know, it's it's an opinion column, but they still took it. Uh, it's a history a very short history of Alexandra Kollontai. So I will leave a link to this column. It's called How the Socialist Behind Paid Child Care and Parental Leave Was Erased from Women's History. It appeared on March 7th, and I there's a link in the, in the show notes. I encourage you all to look at it because I think you'll find it really interesting. It obviously picks up on a lot of the themes that I've been talking about in the podcast. Another thing that happened last week on March 5th with the help of a New York Times visual journalist, Gus Vezarek, who is brilliant and was really fun to to work with is that I published a column called Women's Unpaid Labor is Worth $10.9 Trillion with a amazing graphic that Gus put together, which shows the fact that women's unpaid labor, if you compared the amount of women's unpaid labor to the amount of money, the revenue in 2018 of the top 50 corporations on Fortune's top 500 global list. It's more. And we did this looking at OECD data on time use and looking at a recent Oxfam report that came out. And it was a really fun column to write. I think uh, the key message of the column is that in societies with larger social safety nets, such as not surprisingly those in Scandinavia, the gender gap in unpaid labor is much smaller than it is in societies with fewer social safety nets. And we've showed that uh, using the data. But what I, so I encourage all of you to look at this column if you haven't already seen it. I will also leave a link in the show notes to this program. But I really want to encourage you all to read the comments because the comments on this article, there are 800 and there were 804 of them before the New York Times closed the comment section. And boy, did this column bring out some of the worst sexist, misogynist sentiments that I've ever seen. I mean, it really sparked an incredible debate. And, you know, I'm not going to preview these comments, but you can imagine that there were a lot of, of men, mostly men out there who were basically arguing that women like doing unpaid labor, that they're naturally suited to childcare and elder care, and that they want to stay home and all these sort of essentializing arguments about women's proclivities, which I think are really fascinating. You know, there are some other debates about whether or not women are paid indirectly through their husband's wages. Uh, but a lot of people, a lot, especially a lot of women, but some men really stepped up. And if you look in the comments, the New York Times has 
comments that the New York Times picks and then that they think are the most to- the top comments or the most interesting comments. And then there are also readers picks. I guess people can upvote comments. And so the, I don't, you know, I don't recommend reading all 804 comments, but I would definitely suggest if you're interested in the ways in which kind of ordinary people are reacting to socialist feminism and the ideas of socialist feminism in the mainstream media, read the readers' comments and the, the New York Times top pick comments that you can find on the New York Times website. I was also really grateful that for International Women's Day, an interview that I did with Business Insider Germany appeared. Unfortunately, that one is in German, but if I have any German listeners out there, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And Penn Today, which is kind of the Penn University website, University of Pennsylvania website, also did an interview with me, a question and answer period with me about the history of International Women's Day, which was also really nice. So there's been a flurry of activity and interest in uh, in Kolontai, in women's unpaid labor, in valuing women's unpaid labor, I feel really grateful and you know honored to be sort of part of this conversation. And I just wanted to send out greetings again from down under. I'm in New Zealand, and I'm really looking forward to these two events that I'm doing over the next couple of days. And I hope that you all will share the links. I'm really you know trying to get the word out there as much as I can. As you know, I don't have social media. And so it makes it really hard for me when something comes out like this to kind of share it. But since I have this podcast, I'm, you know, taking a little bit of executive privilege here and hoping that, you know, listeners will also be interested in some of my writing, even though the whole point of this podcast was to get away from me always writing and to do kind of a different form of media, but I am a writer. And I do think especially the New York Times piece using uh, a visualization, being able to kind of present the data in a very accessible form, I think has really caused a, you know, helped start a, a much more important conversation that's been going on for a long time, obviously, in feminist economic circles, or socialist feminist circles, or even in mainstream feminist circles, to a certain extent. But uh, I feel like there's kind of a critical moment right now, that is is, is important for all of us to to kind of uh, jump on and think and talk to our friends and point out that there is research and there is data and there's this important history which has been lost or has been sidelined. As I sit in New Zealand right now, I'm looking at the U.S. market and I'm looking at the European and the Asian markets, which are being pummeled right now. They're being they're being crumpled by the coronavirus fears. And it just shows us that at this particular moment, capitalism is so vulnerable precisely because it, it cannot deal with things like climate change. The market doesn't have solutions for things like extreme income inequality. And it certainly doesn't have solutions for coronavirus. In fact, I just read a really interesting article a couple of days ago about how we might have had a vaccine had there been a, pro, you know, the pro, there's no profit incentive for making vaccines. And so that's why we don't have the vaccines for these kinds of viruses, because the market doesn't actually allocate necessary resources for the kind of preventative technologies or preventative uh, things that we might need to do to implement to prevent these things from happening in the future. But anyway, there's lots of things to talk about. It's a really exciting and interesting moment to be thinking about these ideas. And I am really grateful to be here in New Zealand and to be having these conversations with really smart people. And I hope that you all will continue to listen to this podcast. I promise I will get back to reading Alexander Kolontai when I get back to the States and I have a little bit of downtime. Anyway, happy International Women's Day one more time and keep up the good fight. 